I've not met you yet. My name's Lindsay. I've been working here at the church for almost four years. And along with leading our teams to Malawi, yes, we get to go in what, like four weeks, five weeks, something like that. We'll be on the way. Yay. Um, But I also oversee our social justice ministries here at the church. And um, God keeps on reminding me why social justice is such an amazing ministry to be involved in. And he opened my eyes to a whole new aspect of why it is awesome, which I'd just like to share really quickly before we get on into the passage. And I don't know if any one of you has ever woken up in the morning... And you just feel a bit empty and a little bit dead inside and a little bit like this is going to be a rubbish day and I've got nothing. Can anyone relate? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Big hand up over (laughs) on that side. But a few weeks ago, I woke up and I went for a little walk to go and pray and get my head in the right space. It's like, God, I got nothing. This is just already not going to be a good day. And then he started to remind me of people that I know through our social justice stuff, through our 12 o'clock service. He reminded me of the story of one of the young guys who got baptised a couple of months ago and whose life now, compared to a year ago, is just so different. And he's only just beginning his journey with God. Like, what more is God going to do in this guy's life? And I thought about another guy that we baptised a year and a half ago. And sometimes when we do baptisms, you think, they are a Christian. This is the right thing to do. This is good. And I really hope that this works out for them. I really hope that they step forwards in God. And one of these guys, he has massively stepped forwards in God since the time we baptized him. And looking at him now, he's like a leader among our 12 o'clock service guys in a way that I will never be because he's one of them. He's come from exactly the same background, and to see him become a disciple of Jesus is absolutely amazing. And what it means is that when I wake up in one of those moods, one of those days, God is building a story of faith through what he's doing through people's lives in our social justice, in our 12 o'clock service. So if you find that your story of faith is a little bit lacking... I want to invite you, come and pop in to 12 o'clock, come and join us on the Social Hub team, even if it's just one time, come and meet people whose lives are being transformed by the power of God and just feel your faith level rise as to everything that he can do in your day, in your life, in your mood. That's why social justice is amazing. Amen. On to the Bible. (laughs) I just love to read Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this is an amazing prayer, 
Um, it's been precious to me for a number of years. I can't get away from it. I think it is jam-packed full of stuff that we need in order to grow in God and just to be inspired that he is able to handle our lives and our situations. He is able to do all of the things that we long for him to do, that we ask, and even the things that we imagine as well. So Paul is writing this from prison to a church in Ephesus. They were Greeks. They loved the knowledge. They loved the intellect. They placed a really high value on knowing stuff, on reasoning together. And what Paul is trying to do is draw their attention to the importance of a heart experience of the love of God. So I'm going to chat a little bit about that in a moment. I was uh, intending to open up this entire prayer, you know, spend five minutes here, there, and just follow through in a lovely pattern. And I just got completely stuck on the words glorious riches. And God just rooted me in what are these glorious riches out of which we are strengthened by the Spirit? So I'd just like to spend a little bit of time thinking through what are the glorious riches of Christ and how does that actually affect our lives and the way that we live and the way that we feel as well. So the Bible teaches us that Jesus was fully man and fully God. Got it? And as fully man, he enjoyed a perfect relationship with God. Can you imagine never doing anything that has ever upset or dishonored God. Can you imagine never having even a thought that was outside of God's perfect standard for life and morality? Jesus never neglected to do something good. He was always hearing what God was saying, and he was going for it. And within this perfect relationship with God, he was also completely reliant on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that Tim was talking about last week, and we prayed for a number of people here to be filled with the Spirit for the first time, or maybe even for the hundredth time. The Bible tells us to keep on being filled with the Spirit is a lifestyle. That's what we've been doing in our worship. We've been waiting upon the Holy Spirit to come and fill us again because truth is we need him every day and we need to keep on being filled. And Jesus knew this. And one of the glorious riches that Jesus enjoyed as a fully human man was relying on being filled with the Spirit. And if you've ever wondered what it feels like in your heart, to be filled with the Spirit, then the Bible very handily tells us in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus felt love. He felt joy. He felt peace. He felt patience and kindness and goodness. He felt faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what happens in us as we are filled with the Spirit one time and then ongoing through our lives. And Jesus was completely reliant on knowing these fruit given by God and growing within him. My favorite of these fruit is joy. I just want to ask you, at the end of the day, what drives your decision-making 
in your life. When it boils down to it, what, what is your sensible decision-making head aiming towards? And for a lot of us, is that we want to be happy, right? We want to feel okay, and we want to be happy. We want to enjoy our lives. And that's wonderful. That's a God-given thing. He wants you to enjoy your life. Maybe this is a revelation for you this evening. God wants you to enjoy your life. You're allowed to enjoy it, okay? You're allowed to have a good time. You're allowed to do the things that you love to do within reason. The thing is, when we try and build a happy life for ourselves, when we create situations, when we try and control everything, that happiness can be lost. It can be disappointed. What Jesus knew and one of the glorious riches that he stepped into that we can share in is that when you're fully reliant on the Holy Spirit giving you joy every single day, cannot be stolen, cannot be disappointed, cannot be lost, it cannot be put aside. It's something that is a lot more trustworthy than our happy structures that we can build into our lives. And so, give up trying to be happy. And instead, come to God every day and say, Spirit, I need you and all you've got in me today. Give me your joy today because that cannot be lost and I can rely that daily reliably you are going to give it to me this is a glorious rich that we have in Christ secondly have you ever wished that your life would continue to be significant even after you're gone have you ever mourned when somebody that you love has passed away we, this is natural, this is God-given, because he has placed eternity within our hearts. All of us instinctively want to carry on living. We want people that we love to go on living. The idea that life is cut short or just cut altogether is horrible, isn't it? It's the greatest tragedy. And this is a God-given thing. He never intended for death to be part of our reality. And one of the glorious riches that Jesus enjoyed was he didn't try and leave a legacy in his own strength, but instead he submitted completely to what God told him to do. And through that, he fulfilled perfectly the purpose that God had given him. And this is something as well that we can share in. God told me very clearly a few years ago something to do. Um, I was living in Uganda, and um, he told me to go there. I um, did a voluntary job there for 16 months. It was amazing. I learnt tons. And it was getting to the end of that time, and I was thinking, okay, what's next? Uh, maybe I'll go to London. I've always wanted to live there. It would be really fun. Uh, get a job there, find a church there, and just live it up a little bit. Or um, I'd, I'd read a book about um, Christians all living together communally and loving their neighbours. And that sounded awesome at the time, and now it sounds horrendous. <laughs> so I'm really glad I didn't do that. But my friend was moving to Bristol to go and do this. Let's live together and share everything and be an open door and an open house for people who need to encounter God and his people, which is, that's great. So that was in the mix as well. And God very clearly said, Nottingham, Grace Church, social justice. 
And I'd been a student in Nottingham. I'd been part of Grace Church for a couple of years, and I loved it. I thought it was the best church experience I had ever had and probably would ever had. But it was in the past. I'd done that. I'd moved on. I'd uh, lived in Essex for a little bit after graduating. I'd lived in Uganda, and I certainly didn't want to go back to Nottingham particularly. But over time... (laughs) Over time, as is God's way, because he's nice to us, when he tells us to do something, he changes our heart to line up with what he's asked of us. And so over time, I started reconnecting with friends in Nottingham, with Nick, who was leading the church here. And by the time I moved back, I really wanted to. I was eager to get back to Grace Church and back to Nottingham and find out what this social justice thing was. I don't know. um, There's lots of different ways of calling helping people. And for some reason, social justice is the one that we've we've chosen. But while I was in Uganda, I knew that God had done something massive in my heart that he hadn't done before, just in meeting people in terrible need, Um, a couple of people in particular that I will never forget because God just caused me to love them and to see the God-given dignity in them, that even though their lives and their bodies were broken, God showed me that they are full of the dignity of being made in the image of God. And he has a future for them in this life or the next, which is glorious and is amazing. And carrying that through to Nottingham here, getting involved in some of the social justice agencies that are around the city, and then coming on staff four years ago to actually do the job here. I can say to you, when God tells you to do something, and you line up and you do it, you find your purpose, and there's nothing like it, and it's the best thing in the world. So if you've never been brave enough to say to God, here's my life, what should we do? Please do it. Do it. This is one of the glorious riches that Jesus knew all about. This is what he did. He said, God, have it. Have my day today. What are you going to do with it? Have my heart today. Who are you going to put into it? And as we do that and step into the purpose that he has created us for, there's nothing like it. This is surely one of the glorious riches that God gives us in our lives. So Jesus was fully man. He was reliant upon God, full of the Spirit. He knew the voice and the purpose of God, and he went for it wholeheartedly. But also, he was fully God. And the reason Wayne Grudem has come out this evening, if you've not yet read it, you should have a little go. It's really good. Give yourself a couple of weeks, and you'll get through the first chapter or so. As fully God, Jesus owns everything. He made everything. It belongs to him. He has authority over everything and everything has been made for him. Jesus is the completeness of love. Jesus is the completeness of righteousness, of right standing before God. Jesus is the completeness of justice. He knows what is right and he is able to make it happen every single time. Jesus has all power and all knowledge. And together, those things are amazing. To know it all and then be able to enact change, wow. 
Jesus is the fullness of beauty. Every time your heart comes alive with an amazing view or whatever it might be, Jesus is the fullness of that. He started it. He made it beautiful so that your heart could respond to it and to him. Jesus possesses the highest position in all reality. And he has an unlimited supply of power. There is nothing supernatural to Jesus because there's no barrier to anything. He is able to do absolutely everything. And it might feel that these aspects of his glorious riches are somehow uniquely his because he's fully God. And they are. The completeness of all of these things are uniquely his. And yet, he invites us to come and share in them in part as well by his Holy Spirit. If you think about it, he owns everything. He made everything and everything is made for him. And... He's created all things for us to enjoy and to look after, including one another. He, we've been singing, wonderful name. Do you know the name in the Bible, that word name, it means personality. It means who you are. What a wonderful name, the highest name above all names. He is the highest personality in all reality, and he calls us to come and know him and become more and more like him. Wow. (laughs) He has unlimited knowledge, and he tells us stuff, and we speak out words of knowledge. We speak out prophetically. He has unlimited power, and we share in his authority to pray with confidence for healing and for stuff to happen and change in people's lives. He invites us into these glorious riches, which should just be his, and yet he wants us to be involved as well. So these glorious riches in Christ are the foundation of why we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner beings, in our hearts, so that Christ may dwell there. Being strengthened in our inner being is um, something that happens to me regularly. Um, I don't know if you can say, yep, I've had an experience of God's spirit coming to me when I needed him and he did something to make me feel differently. This is what Paul was chatting about here. He's like, it's all very well knowing it, but there's something that surpasses knowledge. And that is the experience of knowing God's love in your inner being, in the bit that makes you, you. One writer calls it the deep seat of the personality. It's your core. It's who you are. It's the very you-ness. That's where Jesus wants to come and set up home and come and dwell with you there. And Tim was talking last week about being filled with the Spirit as an experience that you can say, yep, that's happened. I know that that's happened. And being strengthened by the Spirit is also an experience that we can know has happened. And um, yeah, I mean, oh gosh, he's just so reliable. (laughs) whenever you want to be strengthened by God, he's there to strengthen you. I don't know why we don't just do it all the time. (laughs) 
it's so much easier, and yet you've got this human part of you that's like, no. But um, just that he strengthens me so regularly. Whenever I come to him, he strengthens me. I have this walk that I do where I pray and I pour out my heart, and then I start preaching to myself the gospel, starting right back at Eden, all the way through to Jesus coming to write all of the terrible disaster and illness and hurt that inflicted the world when sin entered and how he wants us back. He wants us to be with him forever and ever. He wants our lives to be full of the spirit and full of purpose and full of knowing God in our heads and in our hearts as well. And as I preach the gospel to myself, I encourage you to do it, by the way, um, I just find that I'm strengthened the worries that I presented with at the beginning somehow feel a little bit smaller as I reflect upon him. He is our magnificent one. He is our saviour. He's the reason. And as we look at him, we find that everything else just settles and quiets. He strengthens us. So when it talks about Jesus dwelling in our hearts... Um, this is literally, he, Jesus wants to come and make his forever home in you. He wants to move in and settle down. And the only way I can imagine this is um, through an experience I'm currently in the middle of. Um, I've had a lodger come and live with me. She's called Mary. She's real sweet. Um, she came into my life about six months ago and... When she arrived, I had no idea if it was going to work out, if it was going to be long-term, short-term. So I kind of tidied up her room and made it ready. But um, I gave her about half a shelf in one kitchen cupboard. I am very nice and gracious and generous. <laughs> I was like, you are not touching my balsamic vinegar shelf. No, you can have this little bit here, and that's it. I gave her like half, half a shelf in the fridge, <laughs> which isn't a lot. <laughs> Half a drawer in the freezer. It's like, Mary, you are welcome. <laughs> welcome to my home. Um, bathroom, no room. No room at all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but six months on now, her influence in my home has increased, as it should do. We are less polite with each other. We are more friends now. She takes up a whole shelf in a cupboard. Oh, my gosh. And two whole shelves in the fridge. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> this is kind of like what it is like when Jesus comes to live in us. Like initially, you're like, okay, you can have this tiny little bit here. I give you my Sunday morning or evening. I give you, you can talk to me about this stuff over here. But as he lives in us and dwells in us and makes his forever home in us, he begins to put lamps in dark corners and show up things that you'd long since forgotten. And he pulls out old photo albums and shows you, do you remember how you were? This is where I'm taking you. And he begins to clean up and tidy up things that you've just left over the side somewhere. And it's not always comfortable having Jesus come and live in you and make his home in you. But as his influence grows, as you feel able to give him more space and more of you, 
He is always good. He always makes more of your life. He always brings beauty. So I wonder how, how do you see your heart's home here this evening? Is it all yours? Have you given him half a shelf? Do you want him to come and do more in your heart's home this evening? Do you want to ask him to come in and take up more room and more space and come and be more significant in your life? All you have to do is ask. He is always wanting to come and do more in us. He lives to intercede for us. He lives to be part of our lives and to show us God. And if it feels a little bit like hard work, like, (laughs) what is he going to make me give up? Ah, Then we just need to remember who he is. And I just want to read the last couple of verses from this prayer of Paul. Verses 20 and 21 say this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He is able to do what you ask him to do. And he's able to do even the unspoken things that you've barely even begun to imagine yet. He is able to come and transform your life and do good in you and for you. And the final one of our glorious riches are actually in this verse. It says, to him be glory in the church. That's us. That's the bride of Christ. And to him be glory in Christ Jesus. That's our bridegroom. Even in this amazing heavenly glory, which should be uniquely his, he invites us to come and share in it. He has so much for us here. Let's sing.